Great to have you here. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for coming out today. I know it's a little colder today. Thanks for bearing the weather, but I have friends up in Minnesota that told me that today it was negative 23. I'm like, okay, I will not complain. I'm good. I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. That's insane. And I mean, that, that's, that means like your eyelids freeze at that point. That's just crazy. So anyway, so glad you guys are here today. Again, thanks for coming out today. And let's say a quick hello to all of our campuses, as well as our God Behind Bars guys. Thanks so much for being a part of our services today. Well, we'd like to start off uh, with our mission statement. So let's say what we're all about. We are here to do what? To take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thanks for coming out. Appreciate you guys being a part of our services. I can't believe how close Christmas is now, right? I mean, this, this is just this one that gets so much fun uh, with our family and our kids and just everything. It's so great. And so, but I do have some bad news. This may be your last day to get something from Amazon. So, you know, rush home, right? So we're down to the wire. But again, thanks for coming today. Thanks for being a part of our services. I want to talk today about the wise men. Uh, the Bible talks a lot about these guys, and they have such a great story. And I just want to kind of unpack that today. So pull out your notes if you would. We're going to be looking also at Matthew chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there, Matthew chapter 2. So let's talk about those wise men. Lessons from the wise men today. And again, thanks for coming out. Now, now I know there's three wise men, but what if it would have been three wise women? How different would the story be, ladies, right? So here's what would have happened if it would have been three wise women instead of three wise men. They would have asked for directions. <laughs> they would have arrived on time, helped deliver the baby, cleaned the stable, made a casserole, and brought practical gifts. <laughs> right, ladies? That's what would have happened. Yeah, but what would they have said if it was three wise women instead of three wise men? Here's what they would have said. Did you see the sandals Mary was wearing with that gown? 
that baby doesn't look anything like Joseph. And can you believe that she let all those disgusting animals in her house? And I heard that Joseph isn't even working right now. That's why I was three wise men. So pull out your notes if you would. Matthew chapter 2, please do not send me your emails. It was just a joke, all right? It was just a joke. There's no battle of the sexes here because there's too many fraternizing with the enemy, all right? So here we go. Matthew chapter 2, check out the scripture. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When, the, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel." When Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Well, fat chance of that. We know that Herod had no, no inclination, no intention to go worship the baby. He wanted to go kill the baby, actually. And so Herod was crazy. More on that later. But the first thing I want to point out here is that I think it's pretty cool that Mary and Joseph had a financial need, and Jesus was to be worshipped, and so God didn't send someone from Jerusalem. He didn't send someone from Bethlehem. He sent someone from hundreds of miles away, months in advance, put it on their heart for them to come all the way to Bethlehem to find Jesus. And the reason I want to point this out is because you may have a need today. You may be struggling with something. You may be thinking, you know, Pastor, I, I've got the problem and I don't know how to solve it. See, when we have problems, we tend to look within the context that we are in. We tend to think about how can I fix my problem with what I can currently see. But God sees much more than we do. So there's this whole world out there of resources that He has available to Him that we don't have available to us. But since we know Him and He is our Lord, we do have Him as our resource. So whatever we need, He will provide. Let me just make this practical. Maybe someone today, maybe there's some single woman that says, there's just no good men in this town. I mean, time, how, many time, how many times have I heard that, right? Or men say, there's just no good women in this town, right? If we just get that man and that woman together, then we can maybe get somewhere, right? <laughs> but we hear that all the time, right? Or maybe people say, well, there's just no good jobs to be had. But maybe God has a job in an industry that hadn't been created yet waiting just for you. Maybe God will bring a man or woman all the way from halfway around the world to here just for you. In other words, God works, number one, God moves outside the system. Oftentimes, God moves outside the system. There's someone you don't even know yet that God may bring into your life. Say, man, I don't have the money to do this. What if the money's already on its way? I don't have the knowledge to do this. What if there's already a mentor waiting for you that God's going to bring to you right when you need it? So God oftentimes works outside of the system. Years ago, my wife, God put on her heart to open a rescue house. That was a place where women and children who were being human trafficked could come for safety. We could help get them back on their feet, get them the help that they need, and refer them to others so they can get some help, maybe get, get them back to family, uh, you know, get, get them the help they need through, through rehabilitation, all kinds of things, right? But we just needed a place that we could keep them. So 
called up a buddy of mine. He refurbished a house for us. I'm not going to tell you the address because then it wouldn't be safe. And so, but, uh, but we have a, a, a rescue house here in town that we can take women who are in need of escape, need to get away from someone who is human trafficking them. It's a very dangerous thing. Uh, and so that's why it's completely confidential where it's located. I have never even been there, and I do not know the address in case someone would ever try to get a hold of me and say, where is it? I could literally say, I have no idea. And that's why we've done it that way. I mean, we've really thought through this, you know. So we had this rescue house. We refurbished it. We got everything ready. But what we didn't have was someone to run the rescue house. And so it takes a very unique skill set to understand human trafficking. It takes a very unique skill set to deal with the difficulties and the hurdles that are involved with someone who's trying to get out of that. And so we begin to pray and say, God, please bring us someone. We don't, we, don't, we don't really have anyone in the house that we feel like has that experience. And then out of nowhere, this amazing lady named Katina Stith gets moved here. Her husband takes a job here in South Texas from California. She's like, why am I going to South Texas? I don't know anyone there. My husband takes this job in this random town. I don't know anybody. God brought her here because he knew that we needed her and she needed us. She found her calling and we found our leader and so God oftentimes works outside of what you can see. Can we just give God a hand for how he works? He does miraculous things. God often moves outside of the system. That's how he works. Look at verse 9. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Now, basically, these guys are on a journey. They run into this king named Herod. Now, when we hear the word king, we think of this majestic, wonderful person. We think of Queen Elizabeth. We think of like these beautiful weddings. I mean, that's kind of what we think about when we think of the word king. But let me use a more modern term that we may be more familiar with, a despo or a dictator. That's what actually King Herod was. I mean, a lot of times people call themselves king. The king of Jordan is a good guy, and he's not been known to kill anybody unless someone's attacking his people. But then you got like the king of Iran, the king of Syria, the king of, you know, wherever. I mean, there, there's a lot of people that, that are crazy. They've done some pretty sick things, right? I mean, so, so, so the word king is, I use that loosely, but, and that's the word used here. But, but King Herod was known to be nuts. This guy was crazy. And just to tell you how crazy he was, just imagine if I was the king of Corpus Christi, which I'm pretty sure I'm not. But if I was, and I was on a manhunt, and there was someone around the town that I was trying to get a hold of. I was like, I got to get this guy. I got to take him out. I'm on a manhunt. And then I come up within a few days. You know, I can't find him. So here's what we're going to do. How old is this guy? Uh, 20-something. We're not really sure. Okay, cool. Let's just kill all the 20-something guys. You would think, this guy's nuts. He's lost his mind. There's one guy he wants to take out, so he chooses to kill everyone. That's what Herod decided to do. Since he couldn't find this baby, let's just kill all the babies. I mean, that's crazy in the head. The guy was nuts. There's all kinds of stories about how crazy he was. So here are these wise men. They're just coming from, from a far distance, walking through his territory, trying to get to Bethlehem. They come to the border of this town, and like most towns and kingdoms and provinces and states and even countries, there was a border patrol. And they stopped and said, excuse me, we need to see your papers. Where are you from? You know, we need to make sure you're safe. Let's vet you, right? And so they come to the end and they say, oh, no, no, come on. We need to, you look important because you've got all this stuff with you. You look like they've probably got some money, kind of like an entourage or something. So come on up. We need, the king's going to want to meet you. The king meets him. He's like, what are you guys doing here? Well, we, we've been studying the stars and we know there's supposed to be, according to ancient, according to your prophecies, there's supposed to be a baby born that's going to be the king of the Jews and we'd like to meet him. 
King's like, king of the Jews. I'm the king of the Jews. What are you talking about? There's no king being born. That's me. I'm in charge. And so they could tell, this, this, guy's, not, this guy's not healthy. This guy's not normal. And he, he's kind of crazy. So I'm sure it was intimidating meeting this king, seeing all his big, you know, burly guys that are these warfare guys that are like his bodyguard. I mean, this is an intimidating sight to see. I'm sure they were very nervous to meet a dictator who can kill you at any point. So it must have been kind of a crazy scene to be there. But notice how they didn't let this crazy guy stop them. They kept going. See, when you think of Christmas and the Christmas story, we think about joy and angels and, and, and giving gifts and, and getting that holiday spirit and all that's great and it's all real and it's all true and I love every bit of that. But there's another side to the Christmas story that I want to tell you about today that we need to learn about Christmas and that is that one lesson from the wise men is the lesson in persistence. These guys walked hundreds of miles through the Middle East I don't know about you, but that does not sound like a fun journey. It's burning hot during the day, and it's freezing at night. This is not an easy journey that they made. And I don't know, the last time you checked, there's really not a lot of hotels along the way. There's not like a stripes you can stop at, get something to drink. You know, you couldn't stop at your local Jerusalem, you know, tavern and get your big gulp on the way. I mean, this, this is hundreds of miles with nothing. It's hot. They're tired. It's dangerous. Still dangerous in the Middle East to walk around. Well, alone when they were there, they had this huge journey, and then they meet this crazy guy, but they don't let him stop him. Now, the reason I want to bring this up is because there could be someone in your life that's bringing you drama. Please do not let someone who's bringing you drama or problems or difficulties stop you from doing what God told you to do. God told these guys, go to Bethlehem, you'll get to meet the Savior. On the other side of a crazy dude, of a crazy person, of Mr. and Mrs. Drama or Mr. and Mrs. Difficult is Jesus' plan for your life. What I'm trying to tell you is I'm, I'm tired of hearing stories about people quitting their jobs, quitting their ministry, quitting their calling, moving away from what God has for them just because there's someone difficult. You can't do that. If I quit every time I met someone difficult, I would have left the church a long time ago. No offense, but some of you people are difficult. Here's the truth. If you got people involved in your life, you're going to have misunderstandings, difficulty. You're going to have fights. You're going to have battles. It's just that's part of people. And I, I'm tired of hearing stories about people. Well, I really felt called to do this, but then I ran into this person. They were really tough, and so I just I quit my job. I quit going to this school because there's someone difficult at this school. I'm going to go transfer to another school. So you think there's no one difficult at the new school you're going to go to? You think that there's no one that's going to be a drama-filled type person at your new job. You think that you're going to join a church where there is people that are all nice all the time. Well, I'm going to go to this church because that church I went to, no one there was, they, they were all problems and difficult, and I'm going to go find the perfect church. If you find the perfect church, don't join it because you're not perfect and you'll mess it up. <laughs> people are people. You need to understand this in life is that there's always someone difficult. And so if you walk away from God's plan for your life because someone's difficult, you'll always be walking away. You'll always be quitting. You know the number one reason missionaries leave the mission field? I found this very interesting. I was talking to a missionary friend of mine. They said, you know the number one reason? And so I'm thinking lack of support, difficulty of the terrain, you know, like you have no air conditioning, you have no amenities that you're used to in the West. That's got to be tough, right? I'm thinking, I don't know, living in a hut can get old probably, right? 
especially when you're used to an apartment or a house here in America, right, or wherever you're from. I mean, I'm thinking that's tough, you know, lack of food. Like, I mean, I can think of all kinds of reasons, you know, danger. I mean, there's all kinds of things. No, none of those are the reasons. Number one reason missionaries leave the mission field, not getting along with other missionaries. I don't know about you, but that just seems like a really bad reason to me. Not getting along with someone? That's why you're, you're going to walk away from the call of God? People do it all the time. People walk out of a marriage that you're supposed to be married to for life because of a three-month season of difficulty. You're supposed to be married 50 years. Did you not think you're going to have three months of difficulty in 50 years? Is that even realistic? You know, well, I, I quit my job. This is why we have a patch quilt for a resume because then they hacked us off, then they hacked us off, and this person made me mad, and this person hurt my feelings. You'll never stay in a job if it's based on whether you always get along with everybody. This is a big deal. When the wise men ran into a crazy guy, the answer was, get through the town as fast as you can. Get the meeting over with. Keep going. Don't abandon your call by God just because you meet someone who's a pain. I mean, Herod was nuts, but it doesn't mean that they were going to walk away from meeting Jesus. Does that make sense? There is something about staying power, about just saying, I'm going to stay faithful with what God called me to. Number two, fix your eyes on Him no matter the situation. We need staying power. Did God tell you to quit the journey? If He did not, get back on it, no matter how difficult. Until He tells you you're done, you're not done. Stay the course. Maybe God brought you here today just to hear this. Just so you know, don't give up. Don't quit. When you quit, the devil wins. Don't give him that victory. Stay the course. God has too much for you for you not to stay the course. You know what the great stories of our church is, is really simple. It's not complicated. It's, it's just a simple thing. We moved here and stayed here for 18 years. People have come and gone. Difficult people, nice people. I mean, we've had both. You just stay the course. You just don't give up. You just don't quit. Anyone who's doing anything of significance in business, and ministry, in their family, anything, they just stay the course. How do you stay married 50 years? I asked my mom and dad that. He said, I just keep going home, son. <laughs> that sounds like a good plan. I hear that works. You just stay faithful, right? You just got to stay at it. Just keep going. In 1903, after many attempts, the Wright brothers were successful in getting their flying machine, that's what they called it, off the ground. They actually went 120 feet in the air. That's a long way. They were so excited, they, they wrote a telegram to their sister, who lived many miles away, and this is what the telegram said to their sister, Catherine. We have actually flown 120 feet. We'll be home for Christmas. Catherine hurried to the editor of the local newspaper to tell him the news. She was so excited. The editor read the uh, telegram and said, how nice, the boys will be home for Christmas. Totally missed the point. Could it be, since it's Christmas time, that we're busy getting gifts, going to parties, getting everything ready, getting the house ready, preparing for visitors, all those things, and they're all, they're all good things. Could it be in the middle of all that that we miss the point? That we miss that it's about Jesus? I just feel like it's important for us to stop and just remember that that's what we're celebrating. I mean, Christmas, it's in the name, Christ, Mass. 
It's about Jesus Christ, and mass means worship, worshiping Him. So can we just take a moment right now and worship Jesus? And just stop what we're doing and just say, Jesus, we just love you, and we just want to honor you. We want to give you an applause today because you are worthy. You came to this earth, and we love you. Can we just worship our Lord real quick and just say, it's about you. That's what it's about. It's about Jesus. It really, really is. You know, I was looking at the Scripture, and I thought, if I was a wise guy, if I was a wise man, I'd be pretty scared walking through towns I don't know, meeting this crazy king that could kill me if he wanted to. I mean, that'd be, that'd be pretty nerve-wracking, right? It's funny because all through the Christmas story, there's a lot of fear all throughout. Because I mean, everyone has fearful situations. Mary's got to be scared. I'm, I'm a virgin girl. I'm going to give birth to God's son. What? Joseph's scared to marry her. They're probably scared when angels show up to talk to him. There's all kinds of reasons to be scared. I mean, you can see it all over the place. And maybe you're dealing with fear today too. Like the wise men must have been afraid making this long journey. must have been pretty scary to do that. You know, in, in territories they never didn't know anyone, and then they meet this crazy king. I mean, I'm, this is a scary thing, right? So I want to give you quick, quick fear knots. I want to give you four quick fear knots, if I can. Just to encourage you today. This is just not in your notes. So I just want to add this real quick. Four fear knots. The first fear knot is the fear knot of salvation. An angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy to all the people. For unto you, born this day in the city of David, is Christ. Right? So, Jesus came to give us salvation. So you need to fear not that you, you have salvation. If you've got salvation, you've got everything. Oh, I'm, I'm afraid to die. Well, you're not going to die. You're just going to fall asleep and wake up in the arms of Jesus. There's nothing to fear. Fear not, you have salvation. Second fear not is when the angel said, fear not, Mary, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. When she said, I'm a virgin, how is this possible for me to have a baby you know, without a man involved? And, and the angel said, fear not, the Lord's going to take care of that right? So maybe your fear is something that seems humanly impossible, and God's saying, today, no, it's possible with me. Maybe you think, oh, it's impossible for me to do this or do that, something God told you that you're supposed to do, and the Lord's saying, it's not impossible with me. Maybe your fear not is unanswered prayer. Zacharias was married to Elizabeth. Elizabeth was Mary's sister, and they couldn't get pregnant. They tried and tried and tried and prayed and prayed and prayed, and, and finally, an angel shows up to Zacharias and said, hey, you know what? Not only are your prayers answered, Zacharias, for a child, but your wife's already pregnant. And she's going to give birth to a little boy. He's going to become known as John the Baptizer. And he's going to be the precursor to Jesus. He's going to be the intro guy, the front man for Jesus. And sure enough, when Mary and, and Elizabeth you know, met, a little while after that, they were both pregnant. They actually ran to each other to hug each other. Their bellies bumped. When their bellies bumped with Jesus and Mary and John and Elizabeth, when the bellies went, John leaped within. He kicked. The first kick he ever did was when he touched the belly of Mary and was close to Jesus. And so when, when John and Jesus met, they were both in the waters of their mother's wombs. And next time they met, they were in the waters of baptism. How cool is that? Fear not. Fear not because God answers your prayers. And maybe God brought you here today. Maybe God has you watching today just to say, I hear your prayer and I will answer it. Isn't it good to know that? God wants to answer your prayer. And the last fear not is when, is when an angel said to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, fear not to take Mary as your wife. Go ahead and marry her. It's the right thing. This really is God's child. And so maybe your last fear not is, is to obey God. And God's saying, fear not, immediately obey the Lord. Maybe God's leading you to do something and you don't know how it's going to turn out. But God's saying, I know how it's going to turn out. Fear not, just obey me. God wants you to obey the Lord today. So what's, that, what's the point of all that? Go for it. Trust the Lord. 
He has a plan. You don't need to be afraid anymore. Don't need to be afraid about the economy. Don't need to be afraid about the world we live in. Don't need to be afraid for, for your children. Don't need to be afraid. You can trust the Lord. He has got you in the palm of his hand. God is in control. Fear not. Next scripture says in Matthew chapter 2, verse 10, When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasuries, their treasures, excuse me, and they presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. So gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What, what were those gifts for? Gold is something you give a king. Frankincense is something you give a deity, a god. And myrrh is the most interesting of all three of the gifts. Myrrh is a fragrance used to embalm a dead body of a king. So why would you give a baby embalming oil for death unless it spoke of the purpose of the baby? That the baby was born to die for you and me. That's why they gave these gifts. Very interesting gifts. In fact, they're very expensive gifts. This kind of fragrance was very expensive in fact, the gold alone, scholars tell us, the gold would have been worth about a man's annual salary. Just imagine that. Hey, I got a gold gift. Oh, really? What was it? What's it worth? Eh, maybe 50 grand. What? That's, uh, that, that, that's quite a gift. $50,000 with the gold. That, that, that's a nice gift, right? So in case you're wondering, if you want to get me something this year, I'd love... $50,000 of the gold, right? I mean, that's like, wow, that's like, that's an incredible gift, right? I mean, who doesn't want that, right? That's amazing. But you see, Mary and Joseph made this long journey, and, and, and Joseph had to leave his job. He was jobless. And so God provided from hundreds of miles away, months in advance, everything that they needed. Isn't that cool? That's the way God works. He provides. But one of the greatest ways God provides that we forget, we all, we all talk about, wow, wouldn't it be great to receive like that, to receive that that lavish gift, but God wants us to be wise men. He wants us to learn to give lavish gifts. To say, Lord, I, I trust in you. I, I want to give like that. I want to give boldly. And so what does that mean? Number three, wise people are worshipers and breakthrough givers. Wise people are worshipers and breakthrough givers. You know, I've learned something about wise people. They, they, they understand what it is to really worship the Lord. They do. Something else about wise people I've really learned they give bold. They give really big. I've, just, I've learned this, that, that a lot of the people that I ask their advice from, because they're very good at what they do, they're very wise, they also happen to be, I've just noticed this correlation, extremely generous people. They give big. They don't mind doing that. And you say, well, that's because they must have a lot, Pastor. They give a lot because they have a lot. No, they have a lot because they give a lot. You got to get the order right. We always think, well, they have a lot, so they give a lot. No, that's not how it works, because I've discovered this too. If someone won't give when they have a little, they're certainly not going to give when they have a lot. It's a heart issue. It's actually, giving is not an income-related issue. Giving is a heart issue. I can take you to people who are destitute that are still giving to others. It's crazy, but that, that happens all the time. There are story after story of concentration camps when the Jews and political dissidents were imprisoned and many of them killed about how they would live on this small ration of food and yet there were still people with that small ration of food halving it and giving it away. But yet they were dying and they're still giving. Wow. It's remarkable. Because the one freedom no one can take from you and I is the freedom of choice. 
And you can still choose, no matter how destitute your situation is, to be a giver. It's remarkable. So the wise men were big givers off of what they had. They happened to have some stuff. They were wise, so that means they were probably good with money, good in business. So they gave big. When was the last time you gave big? Oh, well, Pastor, you're just saying that because you want people to give to the church. Well, I wouldn't mind it because that's how we do ministry. But I'm really not talking about you just giving to the church. When's the last time you gave big to someone else? When's the last time you just did something bold and just, and just really like a breakthrough gift, something that's just like, wow. And, and by breakthrough, I don't just mean it breaks through your own selfishness because that's important too, but, but God breaks through His goodness in your life whenever we give bold, big gifts to the Lord. I have friends that give bold. My wife and I try to do that as well. And Story after story, I've heard about people giving something bold and big to God, and then, and then they, they call us back, and, they, and I've heard story after story. The guy will give a big gift, and then they call him back, and they go, I cannot believe this, and they call, and they freak out. I, I had a guy call me one time. He goes, I cannot believe this. I literally cannot outgive God. I'm trying, and I can't. I gave this huge gift, and then all of a sudden, they get this huge contract. I tried to outgive God, and I couldn't. I found that to be true in my life. I can't outgive him. The bolder I am, the bigger God blesses me back. And I don't do it for that reason, but God just won't be outdone. Sorry. He's always going to return it with something greater. That's just how God works. The Bible is very clear in this. And either God is going to bless you with more than you give away, or God's a liar. And I don't think he's a liar. Because he says that in Malachi chapter 3. Most of us should never, just never testament it like he says to do. Try me. Give something big away. You got two cars? Give a car away. Give the nicer one away, not the cheaper one. Well, it's time to gather up our old clothes and our old furniture and give it to someone. Why don't you give the new furniture and the new clothes? Let's give something bold. Maybe you're paying for one of your kids to go to college. Why don't you find someone who doesn't have a parent paying for them and, and help them go to college? Maybe you're buying gifts this week for your family. Why don't you buy gifts for a family that doesn't have any money? Maybe you're making a turkey for your family this week. Why don't you make a, a second turkey? Hey, just take it to someone. I mean, you're already cooking it. You're already heating up the oven. You're already doing everything for one. It's just a second set of ingredients. It's not hard to do. Just go bold. I mean, you, you were going to make cookies for your neighbors. Why don't you make cookies for the whole street? Why not? Let's go bold. Let's just do something big. I mean, you're going to bring a friend to Christmas. Why don't you bring, bring a family and cover the whole row? Say, this row's mine. I'm going to bring this the whole row. I'm going to fill it up with people. I want to challenge you. Be bold. Maybe this Christmas is different for you because maybe giving boldly doesn't just mean money. It doesn't just mean stuff. Maybe for you it means mending a quarrel, mending a fight that you've been in for a while for no other reason than to say, Lord, I think that's what you want. Maybe it's to forgive someone who does not deserve to be forgiven. See, you don't forgive people because they deserve it. You forgive them because you deserve it. So you can move forward. That's why you forgive. It's not even about them. Maybe for you, it's time to give something away anonymously to someone. Something bold, something big. I don't know what the Lord's leading you to do. I'm not here to tell you that. Maybe, maybe God's pushing you in your heart and say, you know, I love my boat. Well, do you love giving more? Yeah. Give your boat away. Sell your motorcycle. Give the money to, to the poor. Give your favorite toy that's in the garage away to someone in need. My point is this, we forget that wise men are bold givers. You know, it's funny, I know wise people that don't even know the Lord that are bold givers. 
I mean, you know, it's funny. I mean, there's wise business people that we all know that are famous, and they're huge givers. We forget Bill and Melinda Gates. Oh, it must be nice to have billions of dollars. Now they're giving it all away. Warren Buffett's giving it all away. Neither of them ever said it was because of the Lord. They're just giving it away. So apparently wisdom understands that at some point life shifts from being about ourselves. And it begins to be about others, about impacting other people's lives. I want to challenge you to give something boldly. In fact, right now, maybe the Holy Spirit puts something on your heart to do boldly. Would you just write that down? Just something you can just give to someone right now. You're like, yeah, I'm just going to do something crazy. It's so crazy, it gets fun. You're like, this is just nuts. Let's just do it. Just be bold. I want to challenge you to do that, just, just to give something boldly away. Wise people are worshipers, and they're also breakthrough giver. Speaking of that, did you guys hear the story of this, this young man from Chick-fil-A? I got to tell you a story if you haven't heard. It's a really cool story. It's a kid named Akeem Tyler. Works at Chick-fil-A in Avon, Indiana. He got in a wreck, but he was hurt. He, I think, broke his arm and hurt his neck, but he, he came to work right after this, and the shift manager said, Akeem, go home, man. Look, you, you look hurt. He said, no, I got a note from the doctor. They cleared me. I can do it. He said, Akeem, you don't have to do this. He goes, no, I want to work because I don't want to let my team down. And number two, I, I really am trying to earn some extra money so I can give to the poor this year. 16, 17-year-old kid. A guy came in to, to, to order some food from Chick-fil-A, saw this kid and was like, man, tell me your story. What happened? I mean, you look at him. He's all injured, right? He took a picture, put it on, put it on his, uh, his Instagram. He was so moved. The guy was so moved. We went home, put it on his Facebook and Instagram. Then the guy went after he took the picture and opened the GoFundMe page in this kid's name and said, I want to raise 2500 bucks and give it to the kid so we can give it to the poor. Since that began a week ago, Akeem's GoFundMe page has now been up to $40,000 in donations. How great is that? Give big. Praise God. God wants us to learn to be big givers. And you can apparently be a big giver while you're running the counter at Chick-fil-A. It has nothing to do with income, guys. It has to do with your heart. It has to do with saying, God, I want to make a difference. I want to help people. I want to, be, I want to make an impact. Matthew chapter 2, verse 12. It says, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Number four, let God reroute you. Let God reroute you. Wise people understand that sometimes you got to take another route. This is a big deal. Let me, let me just talk about wisdom for a second. You know, we call these guys wise men for a reason because they're very smart. They were wise. wise. Wisdom actually means, can I give you a definition of wisdom? Wisdom means the applied knowledge of God. That's what wisdom means. It means the applied knowledge of God. Real quick, what's the one book that we call the wisdom book in the Bible? Anybody? Proverbs, right? We call it that because we say Solomon was the wisest man in the world, and he wrote down sayings. I, I don't know about you, but I, I love his wisdom. I read one wisdom chapter a day. Every morning when I wake up, I open up my Bible app, and I open to whatever today happens to be. I've already read the one for today. It's the 18th. I read Proverbs 18 today. There's 31 of them. It's perfect for a month, and I just reread them, and I always get something new every single day. It's really great, and I read other parts of the Bible too, but I always get a little wisdom every morning. It's really, really helpful. But the verse came to my mind when I thought about being rerouted. Here's one of the wisdom verses of Proverbs. Proverbs 26, 11 says this. It's a little gross, but boy, the point is powerful. As a dog returns to its vomit. Oh, that's just really gross. You ever seen a dog eat their vomit? And that's gross, but 
they do sometimes. As a dog returns its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. Wow. You know why we repeat our foolishness? Because we don't do a reroute. So today you've come to hear from the Lord, from His Word today. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, they would say you're going up to the mountain of God. Moses would climb up the mountain of God, right? So I would say to you today, if you're going to go up to the mountain of God and hear from God and you want to live differently, then when you go back down the mountain, go back down a different way. Because if you go back down the old way, your old friends are there, your old habits, your old routines, and that's going to get you back in trouble like it got you the first time. So go down a different way. If you really want a new and different and better life this next year, reroute your routines, reroute who you hang out with, reroute where you go. See, God told the wise men, hey, don't go back by Herod's place. That was very wise because Herod's crazy. Now, there wouldn't be anyone in here that keeps going back to someone crazy, would there? There wouldn't be anybody here that keeps dating someone who's already heard him three times, right? I mean, there wouldn't be anybody here that keeps going back to old friends that got him in trouble in the first place. Maybe we need to take a, a reroute. You want a new life? Take a new route. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed, and we take a moment to pray. I want to encourage you today during this prayer time. God loves you so much. He may be saying, hey, it's time for a reroute. Maybe the Lord's saying to you today, it's time to become a breakthrough worshiper or breakthrough giver. Maybe God's put on, on your heart to do something bold this Christmas for someone. Praise God. What a wonderful thing. Maybe God has put it upon your heart just to stay the course. Just to not quit because someone's difficult in your office, because someone's difficult in your home, because someone's difficult in your social circle. Maybe God's saying, don't quit just because you had that one tough professor in school. Don't, don't, don't give up on your degree because of one difficult professor. I mean, we all had one of those. Don't give up on your career because someone in the corner office is a pain. Just, just reroute. Just, just try to avoid them and keep working. Just get through the class. The point is this. God doesn't want you to quit. Stay the course. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you've never met Jesus Christ, you can receive him right now. You can pray this simple prayer with me. We're going to pray it out loud across all of our campuses. Just for those who have never received him, you can pray this prayer right now. You can say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose again. I repent of my sins. I make you the Lord of my life. I want to follow you from this day forward. Come in my heart. Be my Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Ain't God good? His word is so true.